0: Hello and welcome to the Field Goals Podcast. I am your host, Brandon Schultz. The Seattle Seahawks, yes, yes we know, their playoff hopes have been dashed, as slim as they were, and they take a loss last Tuesday to the Los Angeles Rams. But coming up, it is the Chicago Bears. And joining me to help preview this matchup between the Seahawks and Bears is EJ Snyder at the Draftsman FB out on Twitter. You can also find him at Bootleg Football and Bears Over Beers, part of the SB Nation network over there at Windy City Gridiron. EJ, welcome back to the show.
1: Hey, thanks for having me. We got a we got a clash of the titans. We got to talk about it. What now? The clash? What the, yeah, this? The, the, this
0: no. these two teams? You just told no. me when I was on Bears Over Beers that that it was a matchup of bad teams, and I it feels weird to hear someone referred to the Seahawks as a bad team, and I can't argue with it.
1: No, it is it is rare territory for you in the Pacific Northwest. You have been uh, well-spoiled uh, by Russell Wilson and and some excellent results over the past, really, 10 years. And uh, for us Bears fans, it's more familiar territory. So, uh, yeah, coming into this game as, as somewhat of an equal does feel weird, both for you and for me. Uh, but it is what it is. Neither one of these teams is really going anywhere uh this year in terms of the playoffs uh they kind of have to adjust their goals for the last three weeks here but you know, y- you know the nfl lines them up and they got to play them so uh it, the game will go on at some point and there will be some storylines and we'll talk about those
0: it is a bit uncharted territory for especially newer seahawks fans that have enjoyed well gosh and when i say newer seahawks fans i was looking ej at uh the the that where the seahawks had finished historically and the last time they finished in fourth place it was the year 2000 and they were in the afc west <laughs> so yeah i saw you know, that if, if, you if you were
1: <laughs> yeah not even the same conference uh yeah it's been a while like that and that's a good thing like the holmgren years back when i used to have season tickets like they had success. They had they had up years and down years, but they you know they were not bottom feeders. No, and it is strange territory, especially with Russell and Pete in place. That's been the core that's kept them, you know, above five hundred and and largely every year in playoff contention. Really, and to have the wheels fall off by mid season, the stretch with Gino where Russ was hurt and and everybody was like, oh, this is what it would look like if Russell wasn't here. That's that was a sobering wake up for a lot of Seahawks fans who, you know, have been fans for quite a while, 10, 15 years. They've never seen it.
0: No. And we were all excited. Geno Smith led one amazing 99 yard drive against the Rams. And it got us thinking that maybe we'd be fine without Russ for those couple of games and uh, not so much. So uh, you know what? I am curious, though, as a Bears fan, I, I, I don't mean to ask this in like kind of a Mean God or, or man, jerkish way. <laughs> what do you look for? So after after the season has passed, you, there's no chance for the playoffs, and well, there's still games left in the season. How do you operate? What do you look for with your team in the final games of the season?
1: Yeah, it's funny. We've been focusing on that on bears over beers for a couple of weeks now, really almost a month because you do have to do it. However, you can do it, and I know that sounds like a cop out, but as a fan everybody's here for a different reason some people are just rooting for the laundry some people it's the hometown team some people it's a favorite player that's come to that team and that's why they watch some people it's all about success right and as soon as the team's not having success they're not interested you have to do whatever you can tolerate and and certainly being a bears fan there's been a lot to tolerate over the past couple of years and it hasn't been great there have not been a lot of high points there's been a lot of questionable decisions and and the results obviously haven't been there so you really have to decide at that point like how am i gonna fan why do i watch what am i here for and how much can i take is is a whole nother conversation and we've been encouraging people like hey it's okay it's been a long stretch if you need to just check out and come back after the draft when there's optimism or come back after free agency when there's some renewed hope like do that like be good to yourself there's obviously enough going on in the world that you don't need one more thing that's just pissing you off so if you can't find any joy in young player development or the occasional crazy play like uh, last week JaKeem Grant had a you know the only punt return touchdown of the season that was incredible um, it was a great play like if you can't find joy in that if that's not enough and you just find yourself being pissed or sad after every game like Take a break. And people really responded to that. There's a lot of folks that popped up in the comments and, and you know, reached out to us on Twitter and said, hey, that it felt like permission, right? It felt like permission to just watch the parts I wanted to or if it got really bad to turn it off and go back and watch it later when I maybe, you know, already knew the outcome. And it, we're just encouraging folks to do that because, look, there's nothing else. Like at, at this point, if you're a hardcore and you're going to watch every week, what you're watching is young player development. That's that's what's left. When there's no playoffs, um, you know, in Chicago's case, the coach is most definitely gone. The GM might be gone. That's the sort of remaining intrigue. Um, but it's about, let's not mince words, it's about Justin Fields. Like the Bears haven't had a quarterback in forever. They have one now. It's about watching him progress. And there are several other young players that we'll talk about that you really want to see them get reps on tape at NFL speed against you know competition, whether that team's checked out or not. Um, it's still better than training camp. It's still better than against their own team. And see if you have anything, because those are going to be real question marks for whoever comes in as the head coach. What holes do we need to fill? What do we have? Where do we need to spend? What can we count on? And you know, these last three or four weeks are really important for those players. Um, Bears are going to have a ton of decisions. They do not have a lot of guys signed. Um, They don't have a ton of cap space. They don't have a ton of draft picks. They they're going to have to be pretty judicious with their resources. They're probably still not going to be able to fill all their holes, but that makes it even more important. Well,
0: coming up in this game against the Seahawks, what should Seattle fans expect from your young quarterback?
1: Yeah, well, it really depends on how much protection he gets. And the offensive line has been much maligned this year, and rightfully so. Uh, they've had a lot of transition. Uh, familiar face to Seahawks fans. Jermaine Effetti's played a lot of meaningful reps for the Bears, and, and most Seahawks fans Wait, will see kind-
0: I'm looking at ourlads.com at the depth chart, EJ, and I don't know if maybe it's a Bears fan that actually drew, drew this up, <laughs> but I see Jermaine Effetti as the fourth string
1: right tackle. Yeah, and now, but uh in the middle of the season, he was a starting right tackle. Okay. Uh, and he got a start at guard as well. So he's played, he's not playing now because the younger tackles are coming on. Peters uh came off famously came off a fishing boat. You know, they let go of Charles Leno and they thought Tevin Jenkins, their high draft pick, was gonna start. Turns out he had a back issue, needed surgery. So they made the literal emergency call to Jason Peters and said, Hey, we know you're uh we know you're not busy right now. Will you come play left tackle for us? And he did. He took the call on a fishing boat, showed up completely out of shape, and within two or three weeks was dominating because he's just that guy. He was their best player on the offensive line throughout the season. He got hurt two weeks ago. Tevin Jenkins came in. Tevin Jenkins is slated to start this game against the Seahawks. And, you know, he looked much better in his first real start, not coming in in replacement and injury. Uh, this last week. His pass sets look better. He's got great power. He's got some penalties to clean up, but uh, he was encouraged by that. And he looks to be, you know, a good player and a piece moving forward. Larry Borum was on the COVID list uh, last week, so he didn't play. He's the right tackle. um, Came out of University of Missouri, fifth round pick. Has looked pretty good. Really good as a run blocker, not great as a pass blocker. The interior has been a mess. Um, Cody Whitehair, a guy that got signed to a big second contract in, in Chicago and, and has played all over for them, has played center, has played both guard spots, has been quietly terrible this year. I don't know if he's nursing an injury. I would say he probably is because I don't think a guy falls off that hard that quickly without it. I would not be at all surprised if we see one of those postseason, oh, yeah, I'm having three surgeries, you know, announcements from him. But he's been really bad. Sam Mustafer, a UDFA from Notre Dame is uh I don't even want to say holding down the center spot like he's playing the center spot but (laughs) he's had a lot of struggles all year he is in my estimation not a starting NFL center he has not been able to deal with power very well um and every week in the NFL there's a guy with power on the inside it's not just like oh well he didn't do well against Ndamukong Su or he didn't do well against Vita Vea like when you know when they played Tampa. No, he hasn't done well largely any week they've played. Um, They need an upgrade there. And then James Daniels is the sort of other, uh, I'll say, bright spot on the line, player out of Iowa, playing the other guard spot. And he's been decent, but the bar is pretty low. Like, he's been the best interior lineman. And he's also a free agent after the season. So it's a question of whether or not they're going to be able to re-sign him. If somebody else throws a lot of money at him, they're not going to be able to. And then the right tackle spot's been a sort of rotating Fetty, Borum, whatever. So not a lot of consistency. That means Justin Fields hasn't had a lot of time to throw. Um, A lot of times, even less than two seconds before players in his face um, influencing him. And no quarterback in the NFL. I don't care if it's Tom Brady or Rodgers. is going to be really effective with less than two seconds. Um, When he's gotten time, he is a very good and accurate deep ball thrower that's consistent with his work at Ohio State. And he will uh, push it down the field um, pro football focus like him or hate him uh, have has him with one of the highest uh, big time throw percentage percentages in the entire league rookie or not um, he will push the ball he is very mobile um, his decision making is getting better he's known as a guy that'll hold the ball a little bit too long take some bad sacks um, in terms of a bit slow and sort of the let's let it go or or just get on to the next play, toss it out of bounds. It's getting better at that, but you'll still see probably some, he'll probably take a couple sacks in this game that you think, well, oh, I, I thought he would have thrown it away there. Um, But decision-making has been getting better every week. And if he gets on a hot streak, it's been tough because the protection hasn't been great. And when the protection has been good, receivers haven't been getting a ton of separation. So uh, it's it's hard to judge, but he has been progressing. And if he hits a bit of a hot streak, he can gas you really quickly. There was a period in the last game uh, right near the end of the half where it looked like Nagy kind of threw up his hands and said, call your own plays, and the Bears <laughs> marched like 80 yards down the field on like four throws. Um, Justin looked very comfortable playing a hurry-up offense, so it would be interesting to see a little bit of that. But if he has all the talent in the world. He's got all the arm talent. He can make all the throws. He's a big guy, super tough, and he's really fast when he takes off. He's, he's like four-four speed. So – they haven't put in a lot of designed runs. I wouldn't worry so much about that. But broken pocket plays, he, can, you know, if you don't have somebody covering him as a spy and the Seahawks have players that can do that. But if you if you lose contain, he'll hurt you not for five or seven yards, but probably 18 or 20. So, yes, what
0: I'm hearing from you, EJ, it sounds like the Seahawks ability to get after the quarterback is going to be a big part of the way this game goes. I do want to talk more about fields. But I also want to get your thoughts on how he stacks up with some of the other rookie quarterbacks. Let's hit on that coming up next. Talking to EJ Snyder of bootleg football and EJ, because you are part of a show that covers the entire league, I kind of want to get your take on where Fields ranks out among his peers of this rookie class.
1: Yeah, for sure. Mac Jones has been the best, and that largely has to do with the fact that Mac Jones is good and solid, and we said so before the draft, but he also he went to the right absolutely, place. <laughs> he absolutely landed in the best spot, and landing spots for young quarterbacks make so much difference. We're seeing that with the number one overall pick. Trevor is in Jacksonville and struggling terribly because they have not been able to put together a coherent plan. Urban Myers out as their coach. Trevor showed some promise in the first five or six weeks. he had flash plays every week, not a ton of them and didn't have consistent success, but made plays that let you say, oh, yeah, he's he's got the talent. we just need to put him in the right spots. And then the whole Jacksonville thing kind of fell off the table. They weren't playing their best players. Um, the offensive scheme looked uh, disjointed at best and a lot of people are sort of questioning Trevor Lawrence, I'm putting that grade on hold just as an incomplete until you sort of get a competent, coaching staff and and offensive program in there he's a very talented quarterback he'll do fine he looks terrible this year um not really his fault mac great justin fields we talked about it up and down um matt Nagy certainly no offensive genius uh his offenses have been consistently ranked in the bottom third of the nfl they are ranked in the bottom five spots um of teams this year in the NFL, he 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 just hasn't been able to put together a solid offensive program. So it's a bit the same for Justin. It'll be a little bit of next year. Let's see let's see what he does when he gets with a new coach that has a maybe more coherent program for him. Um, the others, uh, yeah, there have been a lot of struggles. Um, you know, in the Jets, uh, Zach had a lot to do, um, and a lot of the plays he made that made him um, very popular. Uh, as a pre-draft favorite, we're off schedule. It's yeah. the plays where he escaped the pocket at BYU and let go an 80-yard rope, and everybody was like, ooh, look at the arm. But in the NFL, it's the, the balance flips the other way. You, know, you want to be making 80% of your plays on schedule, and great, if you can make the other 20% when you get flushed out or the play breaks down, that's awesome, but that can't be your bread and butter. That can't be your sort of... First read. Can't it, (laughs) DJ? Uh you know, uh, we're seeing in New York that occasionally he's gonna make those plays, but if if defenses very quickly learn to adapt to say, keep him in the pocket and make him try and make the throws on schedule with good solid, you know, tight NFL man coverage, Zach's been struggling and he's been making some terrible decisions, um, some bad throws. He's been beat up because of it. Um, there's there's some work to do. I would I would I wouldn't be throwing in the towel. It's too way too early for that. But I would be worried. Like yeah. Zach has work to do within that system to figure out how to be an effective pro quarterback as opposed to a very sensational college quarterback. Um, so that's you know, that's that's probably the report card. Um it's it's not perfect.
0: So nobody you're throwing in the towel on, would you throw in the towel on Trey Lance, Davis mills?
1: I, well, Davis mills is really interesting. Davis mills has had some good reps and nobody's yeah. watching because the Texans are bottom feeders. Everybody knows it. They're you know known for their dysfunction and the weirdness that's gone on. So like nobody's looking and that actually helps a guy like Davis mills. I think there's no pressure on him. There's no spotlight. Nobody cares. And he's actually looked pretty good over the last month. Um, better, I think even than sort of my pre-draft evaluation of him. So there's some hope there. And Trey Lance is again, an incomplete, like they have outright refused to play him in San Francisco. Um, you know, even as a package player, there was a little bit of that where they traded off early in the season, but it really died out fairly quickly. Um, everybody assumed that by six, eight, 10, certainly 12 games into the season, that it would be the Trey Lance show that Jimmy would give way and that's why they moved all the way up you know packaged all those picks and got a guy that could do things that Jimmy can't and Trey Lance has all the talent in the world but he also has of the five sort of top end rookie quarterbacks that we're talking about the least experience is one year yeah. of college experience and you know as a starter and he didn't even have a lot of high school experience as a starting quarterback so he's got the least number of reps he's got uh, I want to say almost unlimited physical talent. Like he is a big guy when he takes off and runs. It reminds me of a guy like Steve McNair who had real talent running the ball. And he's got a better arm than Steve did, uh, you know, early on in his career. Like McNair had a great arm, but he was not a polished passer coming out of Alcorn State. Like Trey is a better passer at this point, um, even though he has a lot of work to do. And that's a that's a sort of scary place to start with a guy that was, you know, an NFL uh, you know, pro bowl multiple time pro bowler. And, and, sure. you know, I think he made Hall pro, you know, saying that you're at that level as a rookie and just need experience is a pretty good physical skill set to start with. So I'm not ready to write off Trey Lance, but I also can't figure out. Um, there's a lot of personnel decisions out of San Francisco. I can't figure out the whole Brandon Iook thing. Um, earlier in the year was very confusing to, to both of us on bootleg football. He's, he's a superior player to guys they were running out, but People said doghouse. People said this, Um, you know, now then he's, he's kind of turned producing. it on these last few weeks. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He won the game two weeks ago. Um, So the the Trey Lance thing fits in that category of, hey, you got a guy that's very talented. He's going to need some reps. Like, you're still thinking that Jimmy gives you a better chance to win. O- OK, but, you know, it makes grading a guy like Trey Lance. He He basically hasn't had any functional reps. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It makes me wonder if. Making the playoffs is actually a good thing for the Niners organizationally.
1: Yeah, well, they they look to be able to do that. They have turned it on. Oh, they're, they're right yeah, the they're step. locked in. It feels like now. I mean, yeah, they're. I mean, it feels to me like they're the Kansas City of the NFC. Right, they're a team that struggled early and then figured it out and has been pretty solid since they figured it out. Kansas City has been the same way. They had a very rough first six weeks and everybody kind of started to write them off and say hey is this year that chiefs aren't going to do anything and then you know they got Melvin Ingram on the edge they they kicked their best rusher and Chris Jones inside suddenly everything worked on defense they started shutting people down the offense kind of got its legs underneath it and they've been solid ever since and quietly San Francisco not to the same yeah, I wouldn't uh, put. It, I, I,
0: th- I think you're going a little over the top with the Kansas City uh, comparison, but I, I, I understand the, the point well, look, you're trying to make. Look at the record.
1: I know. <laughs> I know you don't love the Niners, and it's okay.
0: Let me have my sports hate, DJ.
1: It's fine. You <laughs> can hate them all you want, and that's that's fine. There's a lot to there's a lot to dislike about certainly the the way they handled the first part of the season, but they're they're definitely on a roll now, and I'm with you that making the playoffs might not be the best thing for them.
0: People were saying that about the Seahawks too, with going into the, the last few weeks of the season, just based on you know the the way we've kind of seen this team trend downward with Pete Carroll, with Russell Wilson, and kind of that idea that, well, if if you're gonna make this run at the end of the season and squeak into the playoffs, then maybe there's no problems to fix. And I kind of had the opinion of, man, if you If you couldn't see the problems over the course of the season and then you just put the blinders on because of a few good games, then you've got other organizational issues. Uh, I I think you can still hold on to those problems that you need to fix once the offseason comes around. But with with this game coming up, I am curious if the Seahawks, because I I don't think they'll take that same approach. I, I don't think that they'll allow. I mean. Bobby Wagner's not going to sit down and, and allow you know, Jordan Brooks to, to take over a middle linebacker for the rest of the season, unless, you know, there's an injury. I, I just, I don't know where those instances would be to where they would look to play some of those younger players, apart from maybe what they've already been doing with playing Daryl Taylor over Carlos Dunlap.
1: Yeah. And I, I feel like based on the playing time, and you and I talked about this a little bit while you were on Bears over Bears, that Dunlap, you know, it was, again, a weird sort of playing profile in terms of, you know, he came back a little bit earlier, he was available, and they just didn't start using him. Um, Obviously, he exploded versus the Rams, some backup talent, um, some pent-up energy, comes away with three sacks, but it really feels like, Seattle is one of those teams with conviction about playing their guys, and they believe that Taylor is the guy they want having those reps and the guy that they're going to have going forward. And he's showing promise like he's leading the team in sacks. He's shown athleticism to get outside. He had a great hit you know, outside the numbers that we had nominated for bootleg shot of the week yes. this week. Yeah, that's um, a good one. You know, he's a guy that it's not that he's not deserving of the playing time. Whereas if you flip it to the offense and you look at a guy like Rashad Penny, you say, oh, they have the same sort of conviction, but he hasn't for the most part outside of the Texans game had the same results. Taylor is getting results, um, but, you know, they didn't have a huge draft class to start with. They picked three guys. They had some decent UDFAs. But again, are you going to shut down, you know, lock it if he comes back? Uh, you know Metcalf, are you gonna pull him out and say, "Well, we wanna we wanna see this UDFA we got on the right. practice squad"? Like, there's still pride, there's still stats. Guys are still pushing for, um, you know, that's the recognition. Unfortunately, is numbers, and it's the contract game, it's the Pro Bowl numbers, it's everything else, and that all adds up. So, if you willingly say to most guys, "Hey, I'm gonna sit you down and play this." you know, lesser rated, rookie right. Gonna say hell no. Yeah. Well, cause I mean, a guy
0: like Dwayne Brown might make sense to see if stone Forsythe sure. can handle some left tackle snaps and you know fully totally
1: agree. Yeah. And Dwayne Brown at the stage of his career with all the money he's made and all the wear and tear he has might go, hell yeah. You want to sit me and pay me? Go ahead. But a guy like DK Metcalf in the oh, receiver no. rotation is going to go, no, forget it. And I think Bobby Wagner still a ton of pride is also not going to say, well, I realize it's best for the team. There is a, you know, me first, get the bag mentality in the NFL. And, you know, rightfully so. Careers are extremely short. So if you say, hey, we're going to just take some starts away from you, you know, guys really aren't into that. So it's a tricky position where the the organization kind of has to balance future versus current. And the current is, look, you're not making the playoffs. You probably are going to have some organizational changes in the offseason we could use to know what we have in these players, but you know, established vets are going to say, get it in practice. Get a- get away from my reps. Like these are mine.
0: Yeah. Something to watch how that's managed for sure. Uh, this game coming up, the, the defense for the bears, how are they going to approach Russell Wilson? Is this going to be, is this going to be a matchup worth watching AJ?
1: <laughs> I would love to be able to say that if I knew I would be putting my money in Vegas where I, where I needed to, no, in terms of worth watching, it could be. Uh, there are certainly exciting players on both sides of the ball. And if if either team gets hot, it could be it could be a lot of fun. Approaching Russell Wilson's a little bit different. I think you would agree at the end of this season than it is at and during most seasons. Um, Russ is a more limited player in the second half of this year than he has been kind of ever in Seattle. So you worry a little bit less about him escaping the pocket and tearing off 25 yards. You worry a little bit less about him going deep to DK Metcalf cuz they just really haven't been doing that. You know, with the Seahawks, I think the the plan for a defense is pretty much always the same. Like we're going to stop the run mm-hmm. and make you play left-handed. We're going to make you do something else. And Russell has been able to pull them out when that's been the case. That's why they've continued to be successful. But I don't think Chicago is going to be any different. Sean Desai is going to come in and go, look, we're not going to give you a lot of free-running yards. Um, Roquan Smith's having a great season. Um, Robert Quinn's having an excellent season rushing the passer. Might break Richard Dent's single-season record for sacks. Um, he has a really good chance to do that. He needs two more sacks, and he's got three games to do it. And with his pace, that definitely looks possible. So, And we have uh, Ethan
0: Posick they, at center. so that
1: uh... Uh, yeah, So they got some pass rush, which is good. You know they're gonna try and presser Russell, but I think they're also, if I'm decide, I'm telling them to rush under control because Russ can still hurt you if you leave him a big lane. He can still scoot out and get a few yards and and keep the offense ahead of the chains. Um, so I think they're gonna rush with control. They're gonna try and rush with, with contain. I wouldn't imagine they're gonna blitz a lot. Um, and they're just gonna try and hold up. And if Russ doesn't start hitting deeper passes, if he's hitting underneath stuff and they're getting short gains in the in the run game. I think the bears are going to be plenty happy with that. And they're just going to say that that plays to our strengths and we'll be okay.
0: Russ doesn't throw underneath stuff. EJ.
1: Well, he certainly doesn't throw over the middle, which is, is good for the bears. Roquan's been playing the pass pretty well, but um, their, their pass defense is not great. And largely it's been, if the pass rush gets home, the corners don't have to hold up and it all looks okay. Mm. If the pass rush doesn't get home, with what they're rolling out in the secondary it's pretty easy pickings for a professional quarterback so it falls apart fairly quickly and and Russ is no different like he is a smart guy that's seen plenty of coverages he's not going to be really confused by anything Sean Desai is doing and if he starts to hit open receivers which there will be the secondary is not great and it's been you know ravaged by COVID and injury um it could be a long day for the Bears. Like it could be a fairly easy roll for the Seahawks if they get some of those longer passes. If Lockett comes back, look, he's having a great season. They hit Metcalf a couple of times, which is about what they're averaging per game to him. Um, and then get, you know, six or seven decent ones. You see a couple of moon balls over a outstretched corner to Lockett. This this could go the Seahawks' way pretty quickly. If they manage to pen him up and keep those deep throws from happening, the Bears defense has enough firepower to make the Seahawks life um not super pleasant.
0: Yeah, the one thing that I'm watching for uh, that we haven't yet seen this year from Russ, we have not seen a fourth quarter comeback from him. So mm. part of me wants to see that happen just just so I know that it can. <laughs> but sure. at the same time, uh, I, I don't know if I want my team to be in that position where they have to come back late in the game, especially the the opponents even down the stretch. Like I, I know we're a bad team,
1: but yeah, I don't want to be uh, reminded about it. The good news is, if you have to make, uh, if you have to come from what is presumably a small deficit from behind against a team, the Bears is a pretty good team to have on the other side of the field. They, they've not been great at closing. They put games up a fight out. against the Packers, though. That was
0: yeah for the first three quarters. They, that was
1: a heck of a game. Yeah, they did. They played well. They played up during that game, but they've also had games against much lesser opponents where they looked. Look, the, the Bears' problem is that they killed themselves this year. If they start looking decent, as they did in the first half of the Packers game, they pull the pin in the second half. They self-destruct. It's false start penalties. It's uh, personal foul penalties on defense with roughing a passer. Um, haven't been terrible on DPI, but you know they've been getting in fights because they're frustrated. Um, they just do... Uh, You know, a very typical, I think Ben Solak made a tweet about a very typical Bears drive is a run into the middle of the line for no gain on first down, a false start before second down. So now it's second and 15, um, you know, a screen pass to about three yards past the sticks on second. And now you're third and, you know, 13. Um, And obviously you're not going to pick that up because the Bears are not typically that team this year. And you're going to punt like that is a very typical Bears bit. Yeah. And, and Jermaine Fetty was the it. one
0: with the false start.
1: Yeah. <laughs> he has been sometimes, but other players <laughs> have been, it, it's always been somebody. That's the thing is even yeah. when some folks get it corrected, they haven't been able to, to do it as a unit across the line on offense or defense. And they just don't, they're not a good enough team to overcome a being behind the sticks or, you know, digging themselves holes. And they've done both routinely and they just don't have enough to overcome that. So They beat themselves a lot when they don't. It looks like the first half of the Packers game and you go, holy cow, like there's still some talent on both sides of the ball. Like, why don't they do this more often? And that's the that's the sixty four thousand dollar question. Why don't they do this more often? And it's, you know, they're not typically disciplined enough to hold it together for a whole game. And so they don't end up winning a lot of them.
0: And I only bring up a name because I just reflexively say, screw you, a Anytime there's an (laughs) offensive penalty. (laughs) You know, there's a flag on the field. It's obviously called on the offense. I know he's been gone for two years, but that that reflex is still there.
1: Yeah, it's strong. It's strong. It's ingrained.
0: I do want to hit on one more thing uh, before we get on out of here, EJ. I'm just because I know that there's some Seahawks fans that they watched the season with Russ. There was all that discussion. Uh, between the bears and Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. And would there be a trade that happened? It definitely seemed like bears fans were a lot more excited about it than Seahawks fans, but the the talk was (laughs) out there and now, and now we've watched a season go by where Russ gets injured, kind of, hasn't been the same coming off of injury and they're wondering is, would a trade like that still be on the table between the Seahawks and Bears. Like would a would a Justin Fields and two first round picks for Russell Wilson, would that offer still be out there for the taking? No chance in hell. <laughs> I no. Uh look, Bears fans haven't had is Bill uh, O'Brien a... gonna come on and be your GM in replacement <laughs> and make a disastrous uh, mistake.
1: That that would be about the only way is Bill <laughs> O'Brien's GM record. Um, no it, Look, Chicago hasn't had a quarterback that they could get behind a young, talented quarterback. Um, Really, we dug back at the draft, and the last time it happened was the 1940s, right? They had a Heisman Trophy winner from Notre Dame, was the last guy that came out of college as heralded as Justin Fields, and was a quarterback for the Bears. That's a long (laughs) time. Now, they've had quarterbacks in between that have done other things. There was the Kyle Orton run. Jay Cutler looked decent for stretches. You know, look to be taking him to a Super Bowl or at least deep into the playoffs before he broke his thumb that year. There have been flashes, but overall, the history of quarterbacking in Chicago, certainly in the past three decades, has been largely misery. Now they have a guy that shows flashes, that has real potential, that looks like he could be the guy, much like Russell Wilson's been the guy for the Seahawks for 10 years. There is no way that he's getting out of Chicago. Now, Would that offer come from another team? And maybe it's not three first-round picks, but maybe it's two first-round picks and a player after, again, Russ has the finger injury, a little bit of limited effectiveness. I think more people kind of know that he might be wanting to get out after the whole, like, well, if I was going to be traded, you could trade me to these four teams thing last year. Like, There's enough smoke around that that the price probably won't be as high, but it'll still be high.
0: It has to be um, high, but there, there has be not high. been a quarterback dealt where the kind of compensation, I mean, even go back to what the Jay Cutler trade, what was that two first round picks? And that was for Jay Cutler. Yeah. And it was a million years ago.
1: And, and look, Rick Meyer trade off-
0: from Seattle to the Bears oh, was two first round don't, picks.
1: Don't that's, that's ugly stuff. Bringing up the Meyer trade. I thought I liked you. No, um, <laughs> eh, look, you're, Russell Wilson's still going to command a price because there's always a quarterback shortage, and he is a known commodity. Whether it's a wearing down known commodity or not, he is better than what many teams, most teams in the NFL have at quarterback. There are a handful of teams that would not trade for him. The Chargers would not trade for him. The Chiefs would not oh, yeah, trade for him. Anybody with an established young
0: quarterback. Although, yeah, but and- I, I feel like the, the trade package would have to. Include a a young quarterback with some promise if the Seahawks were, because I don't think there's a draft pick that a team would be willing to give up for. Well, and I don't even know if this there's quarterbacks in this draft class that they get excited about. Is there?
1: And that's, yeah, there is. And it's, it's one we talked about, uh, on bears over beers and it's, you know, strangely enough, it involves Chicago in a roundabout way. The giants as bad as they've been this year, the pick they have from the bears, which is the one they gave up in the Justin Fields trade is actually worth more than theirs. Okay. So right now the bears pick is fifth overall. If the season were to end today and the giants pick is sixth. So you've got a, you've got a fifth and a sixth that a team like the giants who could be moving on from their quarterback have in their back pocket. And if they're willing to give you two picks inside the top 10 this year, You could do some things with that because you could either keep those or you could bundle them if there was a guy you wanted to take one overall. And there really isn't, and that could be to the Seahawks' benefit. They might not need to bundle those picks because it's it's pretty likely that a pass rusher is going to go one. Pass rushers might go one, two in this draft. And then, of course, they'll be the top offensive tackle that somebody needs and maybe the top quarterback and maybe top wide receiver, possibly even a safety guy like Kyle Hamilton out of Notre Dame this year. But you could stay at five and get a quarterback, it's maybe the second quarterback off the board, which is not typically the way it goes in the NFL draft and not have to pile a bunch of other picks together, still have another pick. That could be a way for Seattle to restart, right? Because I don't think anybody's bundling a justin herbert right if you've got one you're not giving them up especially if they're young and under oh under yeah and i wasn't training.
0: expecting anybody of no. that uh... so
1: what you need to do is get enough picks to go get your own guy that can replace them and yeah you'd like somebody in the interim that you know a guy like a drew Locke that could take some snaps and get you through a season if the guy's not the guy you draft is not going to be ready but really if you're trading russell wilson and starting over you're looking to accumulate enough draft picks that you can go pick your own guy yeah and gosh if that happens i
0: i don't see Pete carroll being the guy to be around (laughs) for the rebuild either so it's uh, yeah we're we're getting down a rabbit hole here but i i just i wanted to get your take on that just because it was it was the discussion point and um because i think just as fans you you think of well, even the media, national media shows, they come out with these things of, oh, well, who says no to this deal? And uh, they yeah. come up with some ridiculous trade scenario that obviously a fan of one of the teams is going to say no to. And it gets a whole <laughs> way, It gets one side of the fan base all fired up that, oh, this could actually happen. Kind of like no, Russell Wilson going not, to the Bears last year.
1: Like Justin Fields shouldn't even really be in Chicago if we're talking about probability. Like, yeah, enough, we talked about how he cast. should be in San Francisco. There's a cascade of things that happened, and they all had to happen. And if if one of, yeah, and (laughs) and if one of them hadn't happened, Justin Fields doesn't end up in Chicago, and that's actually most likely. If you reran last year's draft a hundred times, no chance. I'd be hard pressed to say that Justin Fields ends up in Chicago once more.
0: No, he'd be going to Denver. He'd be going to Detroit. He'd be going. he'd going, He'd
1: be going anywhere else, right? And so. It's highly unlikely that he ended up in Chicago, but he did through some miracle, he ends up a bear. There's no way they're letting him out. They this isn't a, a franchise that you know, like the neighbors up the road that have had 30 years worth of Hall of Fame quarterbacking in a row. like it's the exact opposite of that. And you get your first look at what a real quarterback looks like that could carry a franchise into the future. No. Nah. You yeah, just, but why Why have a
0: potential Hall of Famer, EJ, when you could have Russell Wilson? <laughs> you
1: know, uh, we'll see. You know, again, last year would have taken it in a heartbeat because, again, looking at the draft, you're saying, no nah, way, no way to get it at We're not or, getting that yeah. guy. So, you know, again, bird in hand, even if it's three first-round picks, if you're going to give me last year's healthy Russell Wilson, we would have taken him for sure because, again, there was a huge void. Fields comes in, the entire landscape changes.
0: Well, EJ, really thank you for coming on and uh, looking ahead to this game, kind of looking ahead to the offseason. I know you and I, we are going to be looking ahead to the offseason here in a few weeks, probably come on, talk Senior Bowl here in a few weeks. So looking forward to that, looking forward to talking draft with you leading up through this offseason. Always appreciate you coming on. If people want to find your stuff and uh, check it out, where do they go?
1: Yeah, Twitter's the first place, at the Draftsman FB where most of my stuff goes of course bears over beers comes out every week that's off windy city gridiron SB nation podcast network and you can always find me at bootleg football head to youtube type in bootleg football that's my show with brett coleman we do review of the nfl every week look forward to the games to watch and we will be heavy into draft prep uh just got my shrine bowl credentials today um, senior bowl credentials should be right behind that. So we'll be at the college all-star games. We'll be doing mock drafts and player ranking lists, all that good stuff. So plenty, if you're into that side of the NFL to check out, looking
0: forward to checking it out. Thanks once again to EJ Snyder of bootleg football of windy city grid iron, head on over there, check out my appearance as I talk Seahawks on the bears over beers podcast. Had a fun time chatting with EJ and JB. Also, head on over to fieldgulls.com. A lot of content up there, starting with the Pro Bowl picks for the Seahawks. Bobby Wagner, Quandre Diggs, the only two Seahawks to make the 2022 Pro Bowl. Who are your snubs? You can sound off on that over at fieldgulls.com. I know Stan Taylor, based on his article, thinks that Jordan Brooks got snubbed. And in the news, not really news category, Mookie Alexander keys in on Russell Wilson's statement that uh, he admitted he definitely wasn't 100% returning from injury. Yeah, Russ, we did all see that. Also, Mookie's got the article on how, with the Seahawks, it's not just one bad season. And take a look at that and let us know what you think, how you're feeling, because there is going to be a lot of talk about that this offseason. A game preview from John P. Gilbert. The Jermaine Effetti and Bruce Irvin revenge game coming up on Sunday. We'll see how that plays out. I I don't know if we're going to see a lot of Effetti or Irvin, but maybe a Jimmy Graham revenge game. Maybe we'll get some of that. Want to wish everyone tuning into this show a Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Thanks for being a part of this throughout the season as we close in on the end of this 2021 campaign. We'll have more to talk about coming up in a few days. And so until then, go Hawks.